Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to all of you with us online this morning, watching and worshiping from many different locations. Uh, Great to be with you as well. Uh, I just want to say to my father and mother, welcome to the Redeemer family officially. Uh, It's a great moment to share with you. I I just told Dave it was more appropriate for Dave to lead that moment with my parents than me because if I was up here, funny things happen between my mother and I. Uh, There's just no telling where that would have gone, but uh, I'm just... Uh, You know, I love you so much and so thankful for you and your presence. Quick, um, quick announcement. Uh, I I forget who said this quote. I heard it a long, many, many years ago, over a decade ago, and I don't know who to give credit for this quote, but it's, it's rugged individualism and chosen isolation violate the laws of human nature as much as trying to breathe underwater. If you want to do life alone and not in the context of Christian community, basically the quote says, it's like swimming down to the bottom of the deep end and trying to inhale. You are made for community. You are made to live and enjoy and experience the fellowship of the body of Christ. And many of you said yes to that after our launch series a few weeks ago, and you signed up for small groups, and we're glad you did. However, we need small group leaders. So if you have the potential or you're sitting next to someone who has the potential of being a small group leader, just elbow them and say, listen to Adam for the next few minutes. You need to open your home and host a group, uh, open in prayer, uh, lead the the group in curriculum and then throw out some discussion questions. It's really not that difficult, but it's a great privilege to be a small group leader in this church and we need more of you. So... If that's something that interests you today and you would like more information on that, reach out to Pastor Garland Tackett. We have a small group leader training coming up and we would love you to be a part of it as we continue to cultivate community and fellowship here that runs so much deeper than friendship. We're in week four of this series on James. Are you enjoying James? In spite of his seemingly harsh tone, right? Uh, we're in week four of this series called Faith in Real Life. James is written to, to, the, to the earliest Christians that were following the way, and they had scattered away from Jerusalem due to persecution after the death of Stephen. And he's writing to them in these early churches and saying, this is how you ought to live out your faith in real life. So far, we've talked about trials, the guarantee of trials in this life, the pure joy that we attain through trials, not that we find pure joy anywhere, we find it in our perseverance. So we talked about persevering. We looked at temptation and looked at being not only hearers of God's word, but also doers of God's word. And last week, we looked at that difficult text of the relationship between faith and good deeds. This morning, We're in chapter three, if you would like to turn there in your Bibles or on your phones, and it'll also be on the screens in a moment for you. We are talking today about a universal weapon, a weapon that is available in every single nation and province 
and region and state and city and town and village and neighborhood and family. There are no laws against the possession of this weapon. It is more powerful than nuclear weapons. It has the power to divide countries and nations, to divide governments, to divide a marriage and a family, to divide a church and friendships. This weapon can create wounds that never heal and scars that can last an entire lifetime. No weapon, I would argue, past or in our present or in the future will ever have the deadly potential that this one has. And if you have read James chapter three, you know the weapon that we're talking about today is the tongue and it must be tamed. Now I wanna go on record and say there's nothing, absolutely nothing funny about the damage that can be done with our words. But here we have more difficult texts to wrestle with today, so I'm gonna help you relax a little bit by sharing just a few jokes up top in this sermon about gossip. Is that okay? Okay. Well, one person said, I don't repeat gossip, so you better listen closely the first time. (laughs) And another said, don't worry, your secret is safe with me. Everyone that I've told has swore not to tell anyone else. Here's a good one. My mom's sister is always listening to gossip. We call her Aunt Enna. Thank you. Whoever that laugh was, you get 20 points for catching that so quickly. When chefs gossip, it's the absolute worst. All they do is stand around and stir the pot. These are getting worse, I know. But do you know which month out of the year people gossip the least? February. There's only 28 days. All right, relax. Now that I have you warmed up a little bit, let's be honest with ourselves. I have gossiped. You have gossiped. We have all been gossiped about. I have spoken harshly. You have spoken harshly. We have all been spoken to harshly. I've lied. You have lied. And we've all been lied to. I have torn someone down. You have torn someone down. We've all been torn down. I have cursed, typically when I step on a Lego barefoot. You have cursed. We've all been cursed at, some of us more than others. We have all been on the giving end and the receiving end of knowing just how destructive our words can be, how harmful and hurtful our words can be. There are so many times in my life that after I said something, I wish I could just reach out and grab those words and put them back where they came from. Is it just me or can anybody else relate? Just the other day, I'm playing in a golf tournament. Hey, as one of your pastors, I just wanna be fully transparent with you. I'm playing in a golf tournament the other day with some friends. He makes a comment 
that tees me up for a joke. See what I did there? Golf tournament, tease, tease me up. He teased me up for a joke. The high school boy inside of my head heard the opportunity. I didn't waste the opportunity and I said the joke. And I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it one bit. But we got back in the cart and I looked at him and said, I should have never said that. I'm preaching on James 3 in a couple weeks. Right? We all have these moments of conviction that we can relate to the destruction that our words can cause. Chapter 3, verse 1, let's see what James is teaching us today. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Okay. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, religious teachers, when James wrote this, religious teachers were those who passed on sacred tradition. And they were viewed as not only the interpreters of sacred tradition, but also the defenders, the guardians of the truth. And in Jewish society, the high status given to teachers had to do everything with the weight of responsibility that they carried. And James warned them in this writing. Now, as I look out here in this church, I see a lot of teachers. One thing I love, I can't tell you how much I love this about this church, you are rigorously, academically devoted to the text. I love that about this church. We have so many of you that dig deep, you study original language, you study historical context, like you're all about learning and growing and then helping others grow. We have so many of you that teach in Sunday school, you teach in men's fellowship, you teach in women's Bible studies, you teach in your small group, you teach in children's ministry and student ministry, and if you are a teacher, you need to listen because this is a word of caution. We are exposed to great danger of judgment. How many of y'all know that teachers have a tendency to talk a lot? How many, maybe this room knows, this side of the room knows. How many of you know teachers have a tendency to talk? The more we talk, the more risk involved. The more words we use, the more risk there is that we might lead someone astray. So we have to listen to this word of caution. Now, some debate that this entire section that we're looking at today, verses 1 all the way to 12, is written all for teachers. Yes, all 12 verses do apply quite nicely to those who teach God's word, but I disagree. I think in verse 2, when he begins with the words, we all, he's shifting from his comment to teachers to now addressing the entire church. His attention is now on all people. But before we move on, here's a few passages in wisdom literature, which James is consistent with in his writing, about keeping the whole body in check, including the tongue. Proverbs uh, 10.8, a chattering fool or one with foolish lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 10.11, the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 11.9, with their mouths the godless destroy their neighbors, Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. Doesn't sound like someone 
who's keeping everything in check, does it? It sounds quite destructive, the opposite. And now the metaphors begin. He's going to use many to help us see what he's teaching here. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. James gives us this illustration, and he starts with horses. He's starting to prove to us that something very small can have control over something very large. These are very strong animals, and probably a good illustration that we can relate to. Who has been on horseback? A lot of us. I mean, you know how strong these animals are. 1,200 pounds, approximately six, the weight of six grown men. And this tiny little bit, this, this little bit that weighs between one and two pounds can completely control this animal's direction. Even a completely wild and unmanageable horse can be maneuvered by a tiny little bit in its mouth. And then he shifts and he goes on to talk about the power of ships, even more so than the horse. The power of a ship as it's out on the water. They are guided by something so minuscule, something that is a fraction of their size, that even when they are tossed about Violent storms and strong winds pushing these ships wherever the wind wants to push them. Something so small, this tiny little mechanism, can steer a ship that is at risk into safety. If the rudder does not work properly, the ship can veer totally out of control and the results not only for the ship but the people on board would be catastrophic In the same way, we learn here, that if the tongue is not working properly, a person can become completely uncontrollable. And the results can be catastrophic. Verse 5, likewise, like the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder at the stern of a ship, likewise, he says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes Great boasts. Consider what a great forest. Do you hear this language? Great, small, great, small, great, small. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. A few years ago, uh, my family, we were on the front porch of a cabin in Blackhawk, Colorado. We're all sitting outside talking. It's a beautiful day. Clear skies, completely clear skies. And all of a sudden, the sky gets dark, and what moves in seemed to be like a, a violent storm, and it just starts dumping snow on us. 
The problem is we were there in the summer and it wasn't snow, it was ash. And little did we know, not far away from us, a small spark lit the forest on fire and it was moving our way. This is a first for me. What do you do? Well, you Google it. So I get on my phone and I'm, I'm researching wildfires in Colorado, looking at highways, trying to figure out, is this thing moving in our direction? Because the wind's definitely blowing this ash our way. Well, I don't know how safe this was, but we grabbed our children and our luggage and quite literally threw them in the car and we got out of there. Something as small as a cigarette being flicked out of a window can set a forest ablaze. One burning ember can start a wildfire that will wipe out hundreds of thousands of acres. In the same way, are you hearing how many times I'm saying this in this message? In the same way, he's using these illustrations and these metaphors and saying that one small, careless statement can destroy a relationship. It can even go as far as ruining someone's life. Thus, you have today's sermon title, Forest Fires. Allison Myers, our family pastor, heard that before church started and she said, I got a better title. You kiss your mother with that mouth? <laughs> Y'all need to laugh better than that. She's in the room. <laughs> that was funny. But forest fires, we've all set one or two of them, haven't we? And we've all also experienced the heat that they give off. Now, I just want to point out, if you're looking at James kind of holistically as we go through this series, you can see how he's tying all of his teaching together, all pointing to our Christian growth, our Christian maturity. There's a paralleled message between 127, do you remember this, pure and undefiled religion is this, to keep oneself unpolluted by the world. There's this tie to 3-6 in the words that he uses for corruption and world. He's saying, watch out. Watch out, the tongue has the power to corrupt. He continues, verse seven. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Do you hear this language from the creation narrative in Genesis, Adam and Eve having dominion, being given dominion over all the animals? Verse eight, but no human being, being, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I've ridden on the back of an elephant. In fact, I preached a sermon one time on the back of an elephant, quite a memory. I've cuddled up with a grown tiger to take a photo. And I've even held a king cobra when I was in India. Now, were the elephant and tiger tamed? Yeah, probably. Was the king cobra? No, you, you can't do that. And so, could it have bit me? Yes. Was it really stupid to hold it? Absolutely. I don't recommend, if anyone ever gives you the opportunity, respectfully decline. Don't hold a king cobra. So, so it's not that all these and every species on the planet can be tamed and the tongue can't. He's saying again, he's making the point, the tongue can be wilder than the wildest beasts of the land, of the air, and of the sea, verse nine. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, 
Now we see a big problem that James has here. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. There it is right there. You may have unkind things to say to someone or about someone, and when you feel the temptation to do so, just remember they're made in the image of God just like you. Just remember that there's only been one perfect man in the history of time. Just remember that we're all in a process of righteousness and sanctification and growth and learning to be more like Jesus in his image and that no one is perfect and we need to leave room for grace for one another. We need to demonstrate forgiveness when we slip up, all right? James is saying you can't, you can't praise God and then curse someone that's made in his image just like you are. Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We're told now what makes the tongue so evil. Its primary problem is its duplicity. The same person should not be capable of blessing God praising God, lifting high the name of God, and then cursing your neighbor. This is a clear echo of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 12. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the illustrations that he gives us, there's not salt water in Grand Lake. There's not fresh water in the Atlantic. And with horticulture, he drives his point even further. Figs and olive oil and wine were chief products at that time, and he's saying, hey, you don't pick olives from a grapevine, and you don't pick figs from an olive tree. He's saying, no plant can produce the fruit that belongs to a different plant. Here it is again. In the same way, our tongues, which have been these natural conduits of evil since the fall, cannot produce good on their own. It's a powerful, rebellious, uncontrollable, double-minded tool that we don't always use for the good. That brings us to the question, can the tongue be tamed? I would argue, yes. The end of this section is calling us. Church, listen, if you checked out, come back to me. Listen to this, this passage is a calling. This is a calling on you and me and our families and our relationships, the church at large, to restore the integrity, to, dis- to restore the discipline of our speech. I'm gonna say that again. This passage is a calling on you and me to restore the integrity and to restore the discipline of our speech. You might be thinking, how in the world is that possible? Adam, you preaching this text, I'm, I'm afraid to even talk now. Like James has me scared to speak. We're just going to practice silence, and then maybe we'll attain this goal. I know I began this message by talking about the tongue as a weapon, but I'm going to end this message by asking you, don't forget the powerful good that can come from our words. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, Proverbs ten eleven. The tongue of the wise brings healing, Proverbs twelve eighteen. A gentle 
answer turns away wrath. Proverbs 15.1. Gracious words. Gracious words are like honeycomb. Sweet to the soul. Healing to the bones. Proverbs 16.24. Now, if I were to gossip about you, And somebody came up to you and said, hey, I know this is weird, but Adam was talking about you the other day. Talking behind your back. You said, well, what did Adam say? And they told you. Adam said, man, have you heard Daryl? Have you heard Daryl speak? His righteousness is a fountain of life. His tongue is wise. It, It brings healing to everywhere he goes. What else did Adam say? Well, he said that I always have this gentle answer that turns away wrath and that my words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. How would you feel knowing that I said that about you? You'd feel pretty good, right? How, what if this is the way that we spoke? What if this is the way that we as the body of Christ carried ourselves? when we're in conversation, when we're in dialogue with one another? How do we live into this kind of speech? Words that are a fountain of life, bringing healing, turning away wrath, sweet to the soul. And how do we do that? I'm not talking about having a jar in your kitchen where you put a quarter in it every time you say a cuss word. And I'm not talking about a bar of soap in your mouth. But how, how do we lean in and become these kind of people? this kind of speech. I'm gonna give you three simple suggestions today. There's probably a hundred more that would do a lot of good for us. I'm just gonna give you three to think about. And the first is this, just filter your words through these questions. Just ask yourself, is this true? Is this kind? Is this necessary to say right now? Is it true, is it kind, is it necessary? Uh, Author Brene Brown talks about uh, clear. She says, to be clear is kind, to be unclear is unkind. And so sometimes we have to say something hard to somebody. And it feels like, hey, this could hurt them. But if I can just say it kindly, being clear is being kind. Holding back how you feel is unkind. And then, of course, we filter it through, is this necessary? Is this the right timing to share this with someone? These are questions we can filter our words through. Number two, You've already submitted your heart and your mind and your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Just roll the tongue into that. Just roll the tongue and submit your tongue. Like quite literally, if you're angry at somebody, Holy Spirit, you see my anger today. You know what I wanna do. I wanna lash out. I wanna tell them what for. I wanna give them my opinion. I wanna hurt them. Because hurt people hurt people. Soon as you identify that in yourself, Holy Spirit, help me. I surrender my tongue to you. I don't want it to be used in a destructive way today or in this relationship. Just ask for help. He is the Holy Spirit of self-control. We need a little self-control when it comes to our words. Submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit. Lastly, speak the truth in love and speak the truth in love. A lot of times, especially in those hard conversations, we feel like 
I have to neglect the truth because it doesn't feel very loving. I lean in so lovingly with you that I don't tell you what's true. Or we go so hard into the truth that we forget to speak lovingly to one another. Can we try these things? Three simple things, three simple practices that might, just might, tame our tongues for the glory of God and for our neighbor's good. Will you pray with me? Lord, this can be hard. First, just acknowledging the destruction that we have caused with our own words. Bring your conviction into our hearts, our minds today. If there's an area that we need to make that right, help us to see that too. We want to have tongues that are tamed. We don't want to hurt people. We want to speak life. We want to speak in a way that heals, that puts wrath to bed, that brings life to those around us. And Father, you have set that example for us because I think of the most perfect words, and they are yours. The words that you speak over us and about us. Words of love, words of truth, words of grace, kindness, mercy, gentleness, patience, goodness. Help us to learn from you. Again, so that our words bring glory to you and good to our neighbor. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected with all that God is doing here at Redeemer, you can visit RedeemerTulsa.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Have a blessed week.